0: Hello and welcome to episode number 471 of Holy Crap It Sports. I'm your host, Pete Davis, Uh, here for the whole show. It is like 93 degrees in Atlanta today. They say up in New York it's like 101. Uh, The Braves will be up there tomorrow. It's going to be really hot. I mean, jungle hot up there for the Braves-Mets series starting uh, Thursday. A five-game set. That's going to be a big set. Everyone's saying it's going to define the season, and it might but then again, they're going to play a lot more times after that. So we'll see. This, this could set the tone, though, because they're going to play a doubleheader. It could mess up the pitching. On, on either team or both teams or neither team for the next few months. So we'll see what goes on. Lots of good good stuff going on. Big show for you today, of course, the death of Vince Scully. We'll talk about the Bra- Braves trades and the trade deadline for all the major trades, and we'll break that down. I'll give you my opinion on that. Always follow me on Twitter, PeteDavis1. Write me at PeteDavis1 at Yahoo.com. Uh, go to Patreon.com if you like the show. And let's see, just a cheeseburger a month. Look up Holy Crap Sports. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon. Or if you like a t-shirt that says Holy Crap Sports or anything you like on there, chemistry show shirts or whatever, go to FarmhousePrintingCo.com. That's FarmhousePrintingCo.com. Local local guys and girls, Sonoya, Georgia. So check them out, FarmhousePrintingCo.com. They'll print anything on anything that you like. Let's get to it. The headlines for a Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. I waited until the Braves game this afternoon, so it's about 5 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon when I did this. And let's see, uh, the headlines are Braves pound the Phillies Tuesday night, and uh, then they don't do it on today. They couldn't score anything. Uh, yesterday, the big news, the explosive trade deadline. I'll break down every big trade, as I just said. Maybe the biggest trade of a slugger since Babe Ruth. Uh, We're not uh, exaggerating on that. The Juan Soto saga has moved west, and I mean way west. After just losing Bill Russell, of course, baseball now loses their legend. Death of a Georgia running back legend. Happy birthday to the greatest quarterback in NFL history. And no, it's not Tom Brady. All right, I'm kidding. Of course, it's Tom Brady. The NFL spanks the Dolphins, and that may be a euphemism. We got Pete's tweets, this day in sports history, birthdays, and all kinds of good stuff. And by the way, forget that nonsense about Spencer Strider going back to the bullpen. So much for theories. <laughs> a lot of people out there had theories, including me. Brave split the short two-game home series with the Phillies, losing 3-1 to today. Uh, for some reason, they can't score runs or win um, day-home games. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Charlie Morton allowing three hits to go along with eight strikeouts in six and two-thirds innings, scoreless, but outpitched by the local boy Zach Wheeler of the Phils. Chip Carey said last night when the Bravos was scoring 13 that Morton was sitting in the dugout hoping they'd save some for him today. It was not to be. Orlando Arcia, a solo shot. He's basically making Alex Anthopoulos look like a genius. Alex said he didn't go out and get the short-term second baseman fill for Ozzy Albies because... Orlando's doing a damn good job defensively, and he hits a home run every once in a while. Well, guess what? He's now homeward in two straight games. Robbie Grossman, his Atlanta debut, a great one, a double to right field. Newly acquired David Robertson, though, pitched the ninth for the save for Philadelphia. He's a good pitcher. As I record this podcast, the Braves are three games back of the Mets. They're playing the Nationals in D.C. right now. I'll give you an update on that. We shall check the score. On the MLB uh, app and will be at bat app. Let's check the score here. Uh, Orioles and Rangers are tied in the top of the eighth. The White Sox are shutting out the Royals 4-0 in the sixth. And right now in the top of third, the Mets and Nationals are scoreless. All right. In fact, DeGrom started last night. His first, gosh, it's been over a season uh, since he left last year with the injury and had an injury again this year and uh, came back and looked great for five innings. Look, I think he gave up one run, but they lost the game. The Mets lost the game. Last night. Hopefully, they're losing again today too. The Braves beat up the Phillies thirteen to one a Tuesday night in Truist Park. Uh, that combined uh, with the Mets' loss gave them, put them between two and a half games back. But now it's back to three. Huge night for Spencer Strider. He improves to six and three after striking out a career high thirteen. I think in only, what, seven innings? I believe he struck out six in a row at one point. Eddie Rosario on his bobblehead night, of course, five RBIs. None of the new Braves got into the game last night. Marcelo Zuna and Orlando Garcia both homered. The Bravo scoring most of the runs not by the homer, which is refreshing. A tired but happy GM, Alex Anthopoulos, interviewed during the game by Chip, Paul Bird, and Brian Jordan, and Alex had some interesting thoughts. First, Despite what me and several other experts have been saying, the Braves right now have no plans to return Strider to the pen. As for him exceeding an innings pitched limit, Alex says they don't believe in innings pitched limits. Huh. That goes against what most of uh, the people think nowadays. All the analytics people and all that stuff. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, and maybe Brian Snicker learned from a member a few years ago against the Cardinals that uh, he put Max Fried in the bullpen and didn't, I don't think, started Soroka, but maybe one game, if, if any, and put Dallas Keuchel out there for two games. They lost the series. Uh, Freed should have been starting, and I think he learned his lesson out there. If you got young pitchers, because Snicker always wanted experience in the postseason, but you know what? If you got a young, hot pitcher, put him out there, to heck with the Dallas Keuchels of the world. And uh, hopefully that'll work out. Uh, You got to feel sorry a bit for Austin Riley. Not much, though. His big day, he just signed a $212 million contract, the biggest ever in Braves history, ensuring generational wealth for his family. It's for 10 years, by the way. They held his big news conference, and most people didn't see it because of all the breaking news of trade day. Such a shame. It was great, though, to see half the room filled with his teammates, showing how much Riley is loved by the team. Riley also named the National League Player of the Month for July, Spencer Strider, the Rookie of the Month. As usual, news of Riley's signing came down just after I posted Monday's podcast. Seriously, if you want breaking news to happen, just let me finish the podcast. Uh, Let's see, great news for the Mississippi Masher. I hope he says he's going to buy a lot of hunting land. There's a lot of land in Mississippi you can go hunting on and Montana and other places. Uh, More in Pete's tweets on some idiotic criticism of Austin for signing this contract. You won't want to miss that. Before we get into the trades, late last night came word that baseball legendary broadcaster Vin Scully died at the age of 94 in Los Angeles. The Hall of Fame play-by-play man informing Dodgers fans in Brooklyn and L.A. for 67 years. Died Tuesday night at his home in the Hidden Hills section of L.A. No cause of death has been provided at this point. As the longest tenured broadcaster with a single team in pro sports history, he saw it all and called it all. Began in the 1950s, Pee Wee Reese, Jackie Robinson. onto the 60s with Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax. Into the 70s with Steve Garvey and Don Sutton uh, from Walter Alston to uh, Tommy Lasorda, to uh, Dave Roberts through the 80s with Oral Hirschheiser and Fernando Valenzuela, the 90s with Mike Piazza and Hidalgo Nomo, and Clayton Kershaw, Manny Ramirez, and Yasiel Puig in the 21st century. Sometimes you forget that Manny Ramirez was out there. Uh, The Dodgers changed players, managers, executives, owners, and even coasts. But Scully remained the constant for the fans. open this broadcast with the greeting, Hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good evening to you wherever you may be. Scully considered himself merely a conduit between the game and the fans. After the Dodgers' win in San Francisco, a Scully tribute last night was shown on the video board. Now, here are some of Vince Scully's most famous calls. Uh, Three perfect games. Don Larson in 56, the World Series. Uh, Sandy Koufax in 65 and Dennis Martinez in 91. 20 no-hitters, he called. Johnny Padres shut out of the Yankees in Game 7 of the 55 World Series. The Dodgers their first and only world championship in Brooklyn. The Dodgers' first game in L.A. at the Coliseum in 58. The Dodgers returned to the Coliseum in 2008 in front of a world record-breaking crowd of 115,000 people. Plus, the Dodgers-Yankees exhibition game in 1959 that honored Roy Campanella. At that point, 93,000 fans had shown up in the Coliseum. The Dodgers World Championship seasons in LA, 59, 63, 65, 81, and 88. Uh, let's see. And of course, they, well, he did that one, uh, hell, the Dodgers won two years ago. They won 2020, didn't they? Oh, he didn't call that, though. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He, he had retired by then. Okay, they're right. Don Drysdale's 58 two thirds scoreless inning streak in 1968, and Oral Hersheiser's 59 scoreless inning streak in 88. 20 years later, Hank Aaron's 715th career home run that broke Babe Ruth's major league record at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, April 8, 1974. The dramatic 10th inning of Game 6 of the 86 World Series, while Bill Buckner's error allowed the Mets to force a Game 7, which they won. The rookie seasons of international superstars Fernando Valenzuela in 81 and Nomo in 95 and of course, Nomo should not have won the rookie of the year that year. Chipper should have won. The four consecutive homers hit by L.A. Uh, September 18, 2006, the only time in franchise history that happened. Now, you am going do a little aside here, and we're going to point out that probably doesn't mention the greatest call in Vin Scully's history. Let's see if I can find this here for you. And turn everything on, turn everything up. This may be the greatest call in the history of sports. Here we go. Let's uh, turn it on here. i would be happy to. Well, let's see. We've got a dozen eggs, a quart of milk, a loaf of bread, a can of frozen orange juice, six small white onions, a green pepper, garlic powder, a package of American cheese, pickles, kosher, that is, bananas, cornflakes, maple syrup, toothpaste, paper towels, toilet paper, six bars of soap, hot dogs, quarter pound of chopped meat, steak, lamb chops, Package of spaghetti, three apples, bologna, cottage cheese, a pound of butter, two ears of corn, beer, ketchup, peanut butter, soy sauce, and a half a pound of coffee. <laughs> bologna? What's bologna? Down here we say bologna. But look, I'd be a hypocrite. We talked about him on the Kimmer Show. And Kimmer remembers that for years I wasn't the biggest fan of Vince Scully. There are reasons for that, and I talked about it on the camera show. And I'd be a hypocrite to now come out and say he was the greatest ever. I, in my opinion, it was Kurt Gowdy. I liked a little emotion. It's a sport. You should have emotion in it. I, think, I thought Vince Gulley was a little antiseptic for me. Of course, I was raised on Skip Carey, and you know I loved Harry Carey. I loved the emotion, and, and, and mistakes were made, and who cared? Uh, Vince Gulley was perfect. I mean, he was perfect. And by golly, he had the stories because he knew everybody. He basically was around for half of baseball history. Think about that. Baseball probably started in the 1860s, okay, for, for when it got serious. In the 1860s, the red stockings or red legs, whatever they call them, of Cincinnati, the first professional team. But the, Atlanta, the Boston Braves started in 1876. They were called bean eaters and bees and all kinds of things. But... Um, they start 1876. They're the longest continuously running the Braves are franchise. So you could say somewhere in 1860s, 70s, baseball started. Well, hell, he started calling games, what, in the 40s? <laughs> I mean, think about that. So that was that had only been around like 80 years when he started. And that was, good God, that was so from the 40s, at 60, that's 80-plus years since then. So he's been around for half of the time. Baseball's been around. That's astounding. Absolutely astounding. But anyway, uh, Vincent Vincent Edward Scully, born November 29, 1927, in the Bronx. The son of a silk salesman died of pneumonia when Scully was just seven years old. His mother moved the family to Brooklyn, where the red-haired, blue-eyed Scully grew up playing stickball in the streets. As a child, he would grab a pillow, put it under the family's four-legged radio, and lay his head directly under the speaker to hear whatever college football game was on the air. With a snack of saltine crackers and a glass of milk, the boy was transfixed by by the crowd's roar that raised goosebumps, and he said, I'd like to do that myself. He played outfield for two years on the Fordham University baseball team, uh, served in the United States Navy, uh, started doing baseball, football, and basketball games for the uh, Fordham's radio station, At age 22, he was hired by a CBS radio affiliate in Washington, D.C. He soon joined Hall of Famer Red Barber and Connie Desmond in the Brooklyn Dodgers radio and TV booths. In 53, at age 25, okay, he started in the 50s, not the 40s, okay, Scully became the youngest person to broadcast a World Series game, an achievement that still stands. Now, let's see, 22, let me go back a second here, see if maybe I was correct, 43, At 24, it was like around 1950, yeah, he started uh, doing games. Hmm. Uh, let's see. The youngest person, he moved west with the Dodgers in 58. Uh, bu- 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 bu. Let's see what else he's on. Here's what he said when Hank Aaron broke the record of Babe Ruth. He goes, a black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. Pretty good call. What a marvelous moment for baseball, he said. He credited the birth of the transistor radio as the greatest single break of his career. Fans had trouble recognizing the lesser players during the Dodgers' first four years in the vast L.A. Memorial Coliseum. And he said they were 70 or so odds away from the action. They brought the radio to find out about all the other players and to see what they were trying to see down on the field. That habit carried over when the team moved to Dodger Stadium in 62. Fans held radios to the ears, and those not present listened from home or in the car, allowing Scully to connect generations of families with his words. He often said it was best to describe a big play quickly and to be quiet so fans could listen to the pandemonium. After Koufax's perfect game in 65, he went silent for 38 seconds before he talked again. They would never happen today. He was similarly silent for a time after Kirk Gibson's pinch hit home run to win game one of the 88 World Series. Inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 82, he got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame that same year. They had the stadium's press box named for him in 2001. The street leading to Dodger Stadium's main gate named in his honor in 2016. That same year, he got the Presidential Medal of Freedom said, God has been so good to me to allow me to do what I'm doing. He was a devout Catholic, attended Mass on Sundays before heading to the ballpark, a childhood dream that came to pass and then giving me 67 years to enjoy every minute of it. That's a pretty large Thanksgiving day for me. He also was the voice of the Dodgers, called play-by-play for NFL games and PGA Tour events, uh, called 25 World Series and 12 All-Star games. He was NBC's lead baseball announcer from 1983 to 89. While being one of the most widely heard broadcasters in the nation, Scully was an intensely private man. Once the baseball season ended, he would disappear. Rarely did personal appearances on sports talk shows. He preferred spending time with his family. In 1972 his first wife Joan died of an accidental overdose of medicine. He was left with three young children. 2 years later he met the woman who would become his second wife Sandra, a secretary for the Los Angeles Rams. He had two young children from a previous marriage and they combined their or she did and they combined their families into what Scully called my own Brady bunch. He said he realized time was the most precious thing in the world and he wanted to use his time to spend with his loved ones. In the early 60s, he quit smoking with the help of his family. In the shirt pocket where he kept a pack of cigarettes, Scully stuck a family photo. Whenever he felt like he needed to smoke, he pulled out the photo to remind him why he quit, and he did. After retiring in 2016, Scully made just a handful of appearances at Dodger Stadium and his voice was heard narrating an occasional video played during the games. Mostly, he was content to stay close to home. I just want to be remembered as a good man, an honest man, and one who lived up to his own beliefs. In 2020, Scully auctioned off years of his personal memorabilia, raised over $2 million. Uh, Some of it donated to UCLA for ALS research. He was preceded in death by his second wife, Sandra. She died of complications of ALS at age 76 last year. The couple, who were married 47 years, had daughter Catherine together. They had some other children, or that was the only children they they two had. His son, Michael, died in a helicopter crash in 1994. I did not know that. Vince Scully, 94 years old. And like I said, I put him in the top three of all time. My personally favorite was Kurt Gowdy, I said earlier. But he's definitely, I mean, most people say he's, he's the greatest that ever lived. And I'm not going to argue with anybody when they say that. But it just, you know, great great man, great family man. And uh, it's sad that he's gone. Uh, Now the baseball trades. The best trade deadline I can remember in years, maybe the best ever. And once again, Atlanta Journal Manager Alex Anthopoulos, the buzzard of baseball, waits patiently until the last minute, then swoops in and cleans the carcass of all the other teams who are panicking and lowering the price for their good players. At the very last minute, two minutes to go—really, really, 5.58 Eastern time yesterday afternoon, the Braves got reliever closer Rasiel Iglesias from the Angels for the much-traveled Jesse Chavez and prospect Tucker Davidson. I'm sorry to see both of those men go. Chavez always pitched well for the Braves, a great guy. The poor man, they said he's been traded 10 times now. And they said when they walked up to him, he like, you're kidding me. Number 10? And you got to look at it. All those teams wanted him. And it's just a shame. He's going from a chance to go back to the World Series. And Was he on the team last year when they went to the World Series? I think he was, yeah. And uh, to go to a team like the Angels, which won't be good for years. Let's, let's just face it. That is a messed up franchise. Anyway, so I hate to say it. And Tucker Davidson, I liked him. I liked watching him. He was kind of log jammed, especially with Strider doing what he's doing. Iglesias, a popular name at numerous trade deadlines, has been one of the better relievers in the league in years. Also on a Reds team that was parentally either or not great or terrible before he went to the Angels for the, uh, last year, signed a four-year, $58 million deal. Uh, did very well last year. Not so good this year at a 4.04 ERA. So hopefully it'll get better. He had a 0.2 R-war this year, whatever the, that is. There's no doubting the upside in him, as he could be a stellar bullpen piece if the Braves get him right. The cost, reliever Chavez, who's been quite good for the Braves since being reacquired from the Cubs earlier this season, as well as the lefty, prospect Davidson. The Braves will be taking over the remainder of Iglesias' contract, which is pretty much, uh, and they're getting him for a good bullpen arm. Uh, He can close or give you multiple innings, and with Kenley Jansen's heart and back problems and the trade of Will Smith, uh, Iglesias could slip into the closer role, and we'll see. He's 32 years old with 16 for 19 and save chances this year. Uh, since the start of the 2017 season, uh, he has 150 saves. Before that trade, the Braves got right-hander Jake Odorizzi from the Astros for Smith. Odorizzi is a better pitcher right now. He's a st- starter, too, which will help as Spencer Strider goes to the bullpen, which is not going to happen, they say. Uh, so, uh, And if Ian Anderson struggles, even though his last outing was really good, uh, Will Smith has really struggled lately, his ERA over 12 recently. At times, he looked like he couldn't even get the ball to the plate. He always uh, He's like the Kniebel, Corey Kniebel of the Braves, or was. Uh, he always produced fingernail biting from fans the last three seasons, but his amazing end of the season last year helped the Braves to a World Series title scoreless upon in over 11 innings in the postseason. Makes up for his shakiness over the two and a half years he was here. He had an ERA of 4.32 this season. He was also expendable because Kirby Yates is expected back from his injury soon. I think he's a right-hander. Odorizzi may be part of a six-pitcher rotation for a bit as a doubleheader with the Mets is pending this weekend. After that, they traded for outfielder Robbie Grossman of the Tigers. The numbers this season aren't that attractive, but he's been very successful against lefties over the past two years, has a 999 OPS against lefties this year, 96 plate appearances. Uh, He's been proven to be a capable defender in outfield in left and right. He'll probably play mostly left. Uh, Let's see. His numbers are pretty much down this year. But like I said, he's hitting left-handers, which I think he came up and hit today for a double. Had 23 homers last year. Uh, The Braves sent pitcher Chris Anglin. He's in the lower minors to the Tigers in exchange for Robbie. Uh, so they're getting an outfield rental like they did last year, who a lot of people said, well, I don't know why you're doing that. And then look what happened when they got Jock Peterson and Jorge Soler and Eddie Rosario and Adam Duvall before that. Look what happened. By the way, Soler, who is injured, stayed put in Miami, and Peterson was not traded by the Giants. He's had a little concussion issue recently, but they, they stayed with their teams. England posted a 2.86 ERA and five appearances for the Braves down in the Florida Complex League. So he can handle a complex league. That's pretty good. Mike Ford was optioned to Gwinnett to make room. So, of course, the big news yesterday, the trade of national superstar Juan Soto to the Padres. Let me take a sip here. Well, at least he's out of the division. (laughs) He's still in the National League, but starting next year when they do this balanced schedule, it's not going to matter so much interdivisional and and interleague and all this. Well, interleague is going to matter, but inside your own league and division. It's not going to matter as much as it did like this year. The Padres are going for it. It's World Series or bust in San Diego. GM A.J. Preller, who swung one blockbuster after another in building this roster, has completed perhaps the biggest coup yet by getting Soto. Josh Bell, too. Let's not underestimate. Bell is a very underrated player who hits the Braves. The Padres sent quite a haul to the Nats. They dealt shortstop C.J. Abrams, lefty Mackenzie Gore, who reminds me of a young Max Fried, first baseman Luke Voigt in place of Eric Hosmer. He said, I'm not going to D.C. He went somewhere else. And some very intriguing prospects to the Nationals in exchange for Soto and Bell. In fact, look at this. Abrams was blocked at short with Fernando Tatis Jr. But Tatis is on the bench almost in the trainer's room and in the operating room almost as much as he's on the field. The Padres may live to rue the day they didn't go with Abrams over Tatis, but they've already signed him to a huge contract and they put their eggs in that basket. And I'm telling you, he strikes me as being injury prone for his whole career. I don't, it's just some players are like that and they're always going to be like that. He seems very fragile. Hopefully he'll grow out of it because he's a great player to watch. But looking over this list here, uh, the Padres' number one prospect and 21st overall in all of baseball, outfielder Robert Hassel, or Hassel III of James Wood, who's the number eight overall in all of baseball, and right-hander Harleen Susana, who is the Padres, number 14. So they gave up a lot. And this is the second time he did. Remember a few years ago, was it Preller that gave up the Freed and uh, others for, uh, was, uh, for uh, Justin Upton and some other stuff? Well, anyway. Also, what did they do here? Uh, by the way, if uh, Gore becomes what we think he is, and at the beginning of the season everybody was – couldn't stop talking about him the pods have now traded two left-handed aces in freed and gore and those don't grow on trees so we'll see if they live to regret all this by the way for the padres they either win this year next year or the next and i don't know if they re-sign soto after that but as everybody's going to be old at that and older machado will be past his prime by a lot at that point uh and they, they've destroyed their farm system Padres are going to go back to sucking for quite a long time unless they do some miracles. Uh, The Padres also got veteran infielder Brandon Drury from the Reds for their number six prospect, another shortstop. Uh, The right-handed hitting Drury turns 30 in a couple of weeks, plays third, second in the outfield, and has been pretty good with 20 homers this year. Uh, the move comes one day after Padres solidified the back end of the bullpen by going and surprising everybody by getting closer to Josh Hader from Milwaukee. By the way, the Brewers players, well, they are coming out and talking about it. They're not happy. They're not happy at all. And uh, we've talked about that before. In fact, they were talking about it on the show. I think Mark DeRosa was saying, read the room here. It's Please, this is not a good good deal for the Brewers and the fans or the players. Uh, let's see. By the way, the Padres have never won a World Series in fifty-four years. Hmm. Uh never they've been to two of them. They lost to the Tigers in eighty-four and they lost to the Yankees in ninety-eight. I think those are the only two they've been to. Anyway, Eric Hosmer was supposed to be going to Washington. He said no. So they traded him to the Red Sox for two prospects and some money. Or as uh was it J.J. Walker says on the TV commercial Monday. Uh, Boston's lefty prospect Jay Groom is going to there. Uh, Voight was added as a late addition. Uh, Soto joins a group in San Diego that already features Machado, Fernando Tatis. So we'll see how that uh, works out. That's a pretty good lineup. Pretty pretty damn good lineup there. But they've traded two starting pitchers, Lamette and Gore. Uh, by The Padres are 12 games over 500. they They're in that wild card spot. The 23-year-old Soto, a perennial MVP candidate, burst onto the scene in 2018, led the Nationals to a World Series in 2019. Thank God that uh, Mike, Mike Brooks, was alive to see that. He's a career. Here's a slash line, 291-427-538. He's got plate discipline and elite power like no other player in the sport. Uh, They offered him a 15-year, $440 million offer in July, and he said, Nope, I don't like losing, and they're going to lose here for a while, so I am out of here. He was going to test the free agency market in May still after the 24th season. Mm, 2024. As one pundit put it, you want Soto now in his prime. He may be a great DH in his 30s, but you want him now and for the next three pennant chases. Then worry about re-signing him or let someone else pay him the big bucks if you've already won a fall classic with them. If San Diego wins one, they won't re-sign him. That's just the way they are out there. After Soto, Josh Bell was perhaps the next prolific slugger available. Uh, he's batting 301 this season. Tied for third in the NL in multi-hit games, fourth on on-base percentage, fifth in average, seventh in OPS, and eighth in weighted runs created plus which is WRC plus, RC, RC Cola. You get a moon pie with that. Uh, By the way, all of that uh, scoring and hitting came in one game against the Braves. It was amazing. Uh, On top of that, Bell has made significant defensive improvements this year. He's a good player to have. Good player to have. I kind of wish the Braves had gotten him. Uh, San Diego, which always has an inferiority complex when it comes to Los Angeles. Believe me, I lived out there. They catch the hated Dodgers. Will they catch them? Probably not. They could wind up playing a short series here in Atlanta in the playoffs. Now, a lot of people saying the Padres have no chance of catching the Dodgers, but they said that about the Braves last year, later in the season than now. Okay. Uh, New York Post writer John Heyman says the Padres are the one team That clearly won the trade deadline. True, but only if they win a World Series in the next three years. This year, next year, the next. If not, this was a a horrible trade. As for the Braves' divisional rivals, the Mets and Phillies improved themselves, especially in the pitching department. The Phillies getting Angels right-hander Noah Syndergaard, Thor. Uh, They sent their former number one overall pick Mickey Moniak and a prospect to the Angels. Now, I saw Moniak a few years ago in spring training, and I thought this guy's going to be great. He never really so far has shown that, so they're going to give him. He's still young. Syndergaard joins his former rotation mate of the Mets, Zach Wheeler, who beat the Braves today. That's a pretty good one-two punch along with Aaron Nola. You don't want to see that team in a short, especially if Bryce Harper is back. So we got that going. He's had some injuries. had 15 starts for Anaheim this year, has a 3.83 ERA. He's not the pitcher he was with the Mets, but he's still damn good. Meanwhile, they also got reliever David Robertson. We talked about him. He got the save today. He was great with the Yankees and uh, then went to the Twins, I believe. And uh, he's got some injuries. They also got Brandon Marsh, who I think went to, went to Georgia. But he's a local here in uh, North Georgia, and he's going to uh, Philadelphia. So it's closer to home. That improves their center field defense. They also, let's see, he's 24, Marsh is. He's speedy, but you're not going to displace Mike Trout as long as he wants to play center field. Trout should move to right uh, because of his back problems, but I don't know. Uh, The Mets, take a little sip here. What are we drinking today? Got to hydrate. So let's drink a California Cooler. They don't make them anymore, but by God, they were tasty back in the 80s. Anyway, uh, got lucky a lot of times, drinking California coolers with the ladies. Anyway, the Mets get uh, first baseman outfielder Darren Ruff uh, from the Giants for a third baseman outfielder named J.D. Davis. No relation. And three prospects. The Mets also got left-handed hitters Daniel Vogelbach and Tyler Naquin uh, several days ago. Uh, the Mets also got a righty reliever Michael Givens from the Cubs for righty Saul Gonzalez. Uh, they will no longer better call Saul. Michael Givens played for Buck Showalter in the past, and he's pretty good, and he pitched well yesterday when he came on. So that's, that's a good pickup for the Mets. Uh, New York Post sports writer Joel Sherman says the Mets tried to copy what the Braves did last year at the deadline, and we'll see if it works. The Blue Jays get right-hander Mitch White from the Dodgers for a couple of guys. And uh, he was kind of blocked there in L.A., but he's a good pitcher. The Brewers get right-handed pitcher Matt Bush uh, from the Rangers. Uh, Bush has spent his entire year uh, career down in Texas. So they're going to replace Josh Hader with Matt Bush, it seems, and some other people, I guess. Uh, bu- 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 dun- dun, blah, blah. Dodgers get Joey Gallo, the outfielder from the Yankees, for right-hander Clayton Beater. Beater. B-E-E-T-E-R. Beater. I barely... Anyway, Gallo joins the Dodgers after a rough stint with the Yankees. He uh, hit just 159, a 660 OPS, swatted 25 homers, but struck out 194 times. He has just six hits and 71 at-bats since June 18th. The two-time All-Star Gallo bashed at least 38 homers in each of the previous three full seasons. Will provide outfield depth for the Dodgers. Hopefully, he'll keep sucking while he's out there with the Dodgers, but we'll see. He'll probably explode now that he's kind of out of New York City. Some players just don't like playing there. Greg Maddox came here because he didn't want to play in New York City. Uh, In fact, Gallo said it got so bad for him in New York City that he would not even go out on the street anymore. The Twins get a good pitcher, Tyler Molly, from the Reds for three prospects. Uh, this is after they added all-star closer Jorge Lopez from the Orioles. This guy, under the radar, a very good reliever. Lopez uh, has been stellar. Has a 1.68 ERA this year in 48-plus innings, 19 saves, and 23 opportunities. He's pretty good. So the Twins got better. Blue Jays, this surprised everybody, and everyone's scratching their head. Why? Why? Uh, second baseman outfield Whit Merrifield from the Royals for two prospects. Now, Whitfield is having a down year. Merrifield, I should say. Mary Whitfield, or Whit Merrifield, is having a down season at the plate. He's a two-time AL hits leader, three-time stolen base leader, They waited one year too long to trade him. His trade value was high last year, not so much this year. He's 33 years old now. He's only batting 240 with six homers and 15 steals this season. He's over the hill. Now, he's playing for a contender now, so that may spark him. Sometimes it does. But like I said, they waited too long to trade him. And here's the weird thing. Recently, he and nine other Royals players did not play in Toronto because they did not get the clot shot. He has said, well, if you trade me to a contender, maybe I'll change my mind. What? Dude, if you're going to make some kind of moral decision, uh, scientific decision, religious or whatever, to decide not to take the shot, uh, then don't take the shot. You, you sound like a whore by, by saying, yeah, but if you trade me to, to the Blue Jays, if it becomes important, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that guy that uh, he says he might rethink it and take it now. We'll see if he does. A huge surprise, the Cardinals got lefty Jordan Montgomery from the Yankees for outfitter Harrison Bader, a player to be named later. Let's name him Roscoe. And Cash. Now, the Yankees trade for the A's ace, Frankie Montas, gave them the flexibility to move one of their own starters. Uh, They needed an elite defensive center fielder, which eases the pressure on Aaron Judge, helps his legs out, so he can move to the corner, or DH. Uh, Bader currently on the injured list he has right foot plantar fasciitis I'm so tired of hearing about this I've had plantar fasciitis off and on for years and if I can walk and go to work you can play baseball especially if you're in the prime and you're an athlete please I tell you though it's I had it in my heel and it literally feels like someone took a ball peen hammer and hit you as hard as they could in the bottom of your heel your heel is bruised for months months i'm telling you and lately it hasn't been my heels it's been the, the soles of my feet and for a while i was thinking this has got to be really bad something's wrong with the soles of my feet and my doctor took one look at it and says it's plantar fasciitis it's just moved from your heel to your soles i was thinking you know what i'm actually glad that you, you told me that because i thought it was going to be something much worse so anyway and it hurts like a bitch but i'm sorry if you're in i'm sorry get out get your butt out there and play take a shot uh, Bader's only batting two five homers, and 15 steals. Uh, could be out for weeks still. Montgomery uh, will go to an injury-plagued Cardinals rotation that's missing Jack Flaherty and Steven Matz. He's 29 years old, a lefty, a 3.69 ERA and 97 strikeouts. The Yankees fans are apoplectic. Uh, now they're glad they got Montas, but they cannot understand trading Montgomery. And tell you the truth, I can't either, especially for a guy who's not going to play for a month, if that. The Twins also got uh, right-hand pitcher Michael Fulmer from the Tigers for a prospect. Uh, Fulmer, who came over to the Tigers and a blockbuster years ago with the Mets, uh, the Ioannis Cespedes trade, the infamous one. He's 29 years old now, a reliever. When he first came up, they thought he was going to be the next Justin Verlander. Didn't turn out the way. Has a 3.20 ERA with 39 strikeouts and 41 appearances this year. He's going to be a free agent after this season. So he is a rental. The Mariners get third baseman outfielder Jake Lamb, the former temporary brave from the Dodgers. Uh, so uh, let's see. And before that, the Orioles got outfielder Brett Phillips from Tampa for cash. Brett Phillips, the guy who had that amazing play, scored the winning run in the game in the World Series against the Dodgers a few years ago, 2020, I guess. And one of the greatest plays in World Series history. You just got to look it up. Great guy. Everybody loves Brett Phillips. And uh, so when they traded for David Peralta from the D-backs, they really didn't need Phillips anymore, so they sent him out. And so he's going to Orioles. So good for him. uh, They also got Jose Siri in Tampa, so they also didn't need him. Cardinals get lefty Jose Quintana and righty Chris Stratton from the Pirates. For a couple guys, Astros get catcher Christian Vasquez from the Red Sox. This has really torn up the Red Sox uh, locker room for some prospects. And uh, then you got Vasquez and Maldonado. Who's going to start for the Astros? Uh, the Red Sox also get outfielder Tommy Pham from the Reds for a player to be named later. Pham's over the hill. He's 34 at this point, he was hitting just 238. Now, Pham is familiar with Red Sox chief baseball officer Kime Bloom who was with Tampa Bay when the team traded for Fan back in 2018. Now, Bloom himself is under fire in Boston, mainly from the players who are very confused as to the direction of the team and upset with the trade of Vasquez. Bloom was supposed to be the next boy genius to replace uh, Theo Epstein, but it's rough sailing this season in Boston Habba for kind Bloom. Maybe the only other team facing more criticism of the deadline is Colorado. The Rockies? The only team. and This is a good trivia question. Who was the only MLB team not to make a trade at the deadline, uh, despite 13 games below 500? The Rockies. Uh, closer Daniel Bard, first baseman C.J. Crone, and pitcher Chad Cool, uh, Cole Cool, were all rumored as possible trade chips, but they're still in Denver. This is after last year's deadline, when the Rockies botched a trade involving, excuse me, two-time All-Star Trevor Story, who ultimately decided to go to Boston as a free agent. Hmm. And before that, they botched the Nolan Arenado situation. I don't know who's more dysfunctional these days. Is it the Angels or the Rockies? Hmm. It used to be the Mariners, but not anymore. Uh, The Rockies are in last place in NL West. Uh, There were several other trades, but they went down before yesterday, so we won't dwell on them. Strangely, both Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ of the Cubs have stayed put. Pundit John Heyman thought that Wilson would be the first guy dealt, and Not. College football news, very sad news yesterday. Lars Tate, part of a long line of Georgia running back greats, went on to play three seasons in the NFL with Tampa Bay and Chicago, has passed away. Uh, He was just 56, died late Monday down in St. Petersburg, Florida, a month after being diagnosed with throat cancer, according to Donovan Tate, his son. Uh, Lars led the Bulldogs in rushing in 1986 and 87, finished his college career with 3,107 yards. That's the sixth most in school history. Herschel Walker and Nick Chubb were the only Georgia backs with more carries than Tate's 615 from 1984 to 87. A second-round pick of the Buccaneers in 88 led that team in rushing his first two seasons, totaling over 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns. Tate was cut by the Bucks ahead of the 90 season, finished out his career with the Bears in three games. Donovan said his father was set to begin chemotherapy this week. It was kind of sudden. You just thought cancer was the next thing that he was going to overcome. Even in conversations with him, he was in good spirits. A native of Indianapolis, Lars Tate headed south to sign with Georgia after also considering an offer from Michigan. When he got to Athens, the shadow of Walker's brilliant career, including that national championship and the Heisman Trophy, still loomed over the program, but Tate proved to be a worthy successor Uh, That legacy has grown since Rodney Hampton, Terrell or Terrell Davis. Can't ever remember that. Garrison Hurst, Noshaw Moreno, and DeAndre Smith, uh, Lars' son, the number three pick in the 2009 Major League Draft by the Padres. So injuries kind of kept him from getting to the Major Leagues. Uh, In addition to Donovan, Lars Tate is survived by his son Stephen, daughter Lauren, and four grandchildren. Lars Tate. Adam Spencer of Saturday Down South has a sticky situation. Marky Anderson, the four-star offensive lineman in next year's recruiting class, might have made history with his commitment on Sunday afternoon. The 6'5", 305-pound lineman from Roebuck, South Carolina, decided to reveal his school choice with a bottle of syrup. Uh, he had the syrup bottles, or syrup bottles, uh, Clemson, North Carolina, LSU, and South Carolina logos on them. <laughs> so uh, he decided to go with the Gamecocks. He's number five interior offensive lineman in the 23 class, number two overall recruit from South Carolina, according to 24-7 Sports Composite. The Gamecocks now have 15 players in their recruiting class for next year. They're ranked number 26 nationally. No word on if Anderson lives in a log cabin with Mrs. Butterworth. But now that he's signed, doesn't he have a Cairo in the world? He doesn't have a Cairo in the world. If you send me money, I will stop right now. I will stop the syrup commercials. Hell, if you send me money, I'll just stop doing this. Will you pay me not to do this podcast? That could be arranged. NFL news. The NFL spanked the Dolphins, so to speak, notifying the Miami Dolphins yesterday the team would be stripped of its 2023 first-round pick for violations of league policies relating to the integrity of the game. They literally said that with a straight face. The integrity of the game. Following a half-year investigation, they found the Dolphins and owner Stephen Ross And the other guy, Bruce Bill, violated the anti-tampering policy three times, (laughs) talking with Tom Brady and uh, the agent for Sean Payton, who was coaching the Saints. They found no evidence, though, that the team intentionally lost games in the 2019 season. Now, in February, former Fins coach Brian Flores said in a lawsuit alleging racism uh, of the hiring practices of the league that Ross attempted to incentivize him to tank and purposely lose games. In fact, offering Flores $100,000 for every loss that season. But they could not prove that. Huh. And Flores says he was fired because uh, basically they were winning. Uh, That's interesting. They also will lose their 2024 third-round selection. Well, we just found out that the NFL is appealing the uh, arbitrators ruling on Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. They wanted more. So we'll see. Who wins that one? On this day, August 3rd in history of sports, 1852, America's first intercollegiate sporting event took place as the Harvard heavyweight roxing, roxing, rowing crew beat Yale Bula Bula by two lengths over two miles on Lake Winnipesaukee, New Hampshire. I'm writing a book, and part of it happened on Winnipesaukee. That's interesting. Uh, 1936, American sprinter Jesse Owens won the 100-meter 100 in 10.3 seconds in front of Adolf Hilter, and the famous race at the Berlin Olympics, the first of four gold medals at the Games. 1955, the Automobile Association of America, or AAA, ended their support of auto racing after the Le Mans disaster and Bill Vukovich's death at Indianapolis. Now, I think in Le Mans, the car went off and killed some people in the stands or on the side of the road. I forget where. 1979, Sam Sneed at 67 years. Old set the record for the oldest player to make the cut in a major at the PGA Championship at Oakland Hills Country Club. I think that's in Detroit. 1984, Mary Lou Retton scored 10 for the final vault to win the individual all-around competition in L.A., became the first American woman to win an Olympic gymnastics medal. Uh, She was America's sweetheart. Everybody had that. Well, every woman had that uh, haircut. Uh, 1996, uh, and wasn't she even Scrooged? Didn't Bill Murray have her in Scrooge at one point? 1996, American Andre Agassi won the men's singles tennis gold medal at the Atlanta Olympics right around the, the block from my mother's, my father's house, beating Spaniard Sergey Bruguera, 6'2, 6'3, 6'1. I've said it before, that beautiful tennis facility out there in Stone Mountain, they could have made it a world hosting event, and they just let it sit there and ruin until they finally bulldozed it decades later what a shame 2012 american super swimmer michael phelps won the hundred meter butterfly in london to take his all-time Olympic gold medal tally to a record 17 birthdays that you share with some of these people 1894 harry howlman underrated baseball hall of fame outfielder four-time al batting champion with the tigers broadcaster born in san francisco died in 1951 great hitter 1940 Lance Allworth, Hall of Famer for the Chargers of San Diego and the Cowboys, born in Houston, Texas. Uh, I think he went to Arkansas. I think he was a razorback, and one of my, one of my dad 's favorite players just uh, he was like a, a white Lyn swan. He was just graceful. Uh, August third, 1956 Todd Christensen played for Oakland Raiders, a sportscaster born in Bellefonte, Pennsylvania. He died in two thousand and thirteen. I'm not going to say his name, but a local Atlanta broadcaster who used to call games with him called him a most disagreeable fellow. But let's not speak ill of the dead. Uh, 1964, Nate McMillan, uh, head coach of the Pacers, Portland, Seattle, NBA Steels leader in 94, born in Raleigh, North Carolina. Now, Alexa, who was Nate McMillan the coach for? Nate McMillan is the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. That's right. Nate McMillan. Alexa, stop. Yes, they've got everybody on here except the Hawks. (laughs) Nineteen sixty-eight. Rod Beck, baseball pitcher, All Star in the nineties for the Giants. Head member had long hair and long mustache. Looked like a Yeti, Sasquatch. Born in Burbank, beautiful downtown Burbank. Uh, Died in two thousand seven. I forgot about that. Died in two. In fact, Alexa, why did Rod Beck die? On June 23, 2007, Beck died alone at his home in Phoenix, Arizona. The Maricopa County Medical Examiner did not publicly disclose the cause of death and the Phoenix police did not suspect foul play. Beck's ex-wife stated she believed Beck's death to be drug-related. Cocaine and heroin were found in his home and bedroom. Beck was buried in Phoenix wearing his Chicago Cubs uniform despite pitching only two seasons for the team. Huh, that's weird that he went in the Cubs and not the Giants. And probably drugs. Uh, 1972, Travis Hall, defensive tackle for the Falcons. Uh, We used to have him on our shows all the time. He's a great guy. Born in Sedotna, Alaska. 1976, Troy Gloss, uh, infielder, played for the Angels, mainly third baseman and played for the Braves. And tell you the truth, he uh, Alston Riley reminds me so much of Troy Gloss, and hopefully he'll, he'll have a lot longer, better career. But Gloss was a very good player for a while. He won the Olympic bronze here in 1996 in Atlanta for baseball, born in Tarzana, L.A., 19, which Tarzana was named because the uh, guy who wrote Tarzan books, Edgar Rice Burroughs, made that his home and pretty much was the lord mayor of the place for the longest time. But he was, uh, yeah. Uh, And happy birthday, 1977, Tom Brady. Uh, Let's see. Gosh, I was 16 when he was born. Seven-time Super Bowl winner for the Patriots and Bucks. Was the NFL MVP one, two, three, three times. 14-time Pro Bowler, born in San Mateo, California. 1979, Chris Jenkins, defensive tackle, Pro Bowler for the Panthers and Jets, born in Ypsilanti, Michigan. And 1984, Ryan Lotke, swimmer. Uh, 12-time Olympic medalist, born in Rochester, New York. Dead people on August 3rd, 2011, we lost two great football players. Bubba Smith, College Football Hall of Fame defensive end. He's also in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Played for Michigan State. Uh, Won a Super Bowl in 71 with the Baltimore Colts. He was an actor, Police Academy, the Miller Lite commercials. Pretty good actor. Died of acute drug intoxication and heart disease at 66. And in 2015, we lost Mel Farr. Running back, pro bowler in the 60s and 70s for the Lions, died of a massive heart attack. He was 70 years old. One divorce, D I V O R C E, as Tammy would sing. 1979, George Foreman was 30 when he divorced Cynthia Lewis after more than a year, a whole year of marriage. All right, let's do Pete's tweets. Take a sip here of the. What did I say we were drinking? Oh, yeah, we're back on the defunct California coolers because it's so hot. It's so hot. All right, let's go to Pete's tweets here. Quit arguing with you, damn phone. Here we go. Brian Hawk, who covers the Yankees, says, When he heard that the Yankees acquired Jose Trevino from Texas back in April, Luis Severino thought they traded for A's reliever Lou Trevino. Now they have. <laughs> we'll soon be seeing Trevino pitching to Trevino. Oh, God, I hope not. I don't want to have to keep saying that. So here's Jake Odorizzi. I looked him up here. Uh, this season he's four and three in twelve games, a three point seven five ERA, sixty innings pitched, forty six strikeouts, a WHIP of one point one five. He's a good pitcher. So Carl Thomas says Austin Riley should fire his agent. So David O'Brien, who covers the Braves, I think for the Athletic, said right for getting him $212 million guaranteed to play for the team he loves, for a consistent World Series contender in the South, close enough for his friends and family to drive from Mississippi to see him play, and for him and his wife to drive home to Mississippi when they want to. It's a five-hour. He's from right underneath Memphis, Olive Branch or something. That's a suburb of Memphis. It's literally, I can get there in under five hours. Now that they opened up that highway between Birmingham and Memphis, it's a beautiful highway. There's hardly anyone on it, and, man, you can fly on that sucker. There, the last time I came through, though, there were more Alabama State troopers than I'd ever seen, and I luckily got through there. But uh, that's just a beautiful highway to drive. Um, bu- bu- bu, hmm, do I really want to do that? No, let's skip that college football. We'll will do more college football in the next one. By the way, Steve Phillips, the former Mets GM, who now is a talker on MLB Network, literally is the grown-up version of race bannon from johnny quest uh sad news uh, zach buchanan reporting that drew jones andrew jones's son just got drafted by the d-backs will have surgery to repair a posterior labrum in his shoulder and miss the rest of the season Mm. Uh, the lowest chase percentage among qualifiers this season according to Statcast, which is a batter a hitter that does not chase bad balls Alex Bregman leads at 16.6. Max Muncy, Muncy, 16.9, even though he's having a bad season. Juan Soto at 18.6. And Robbie Grossman, 18.8, who is now an Atlanta Brave. Uh, Danny Rocket posted a photo on a beautiful sunny day of the gravestone of Ernie Banks. Nice man. The nicest man I ever met. This is a beautiful Gravestone. It's set somewhere probably outside of Chicago. I don't know exactly where it is. And he said, "I'm visiting Ernie. It literally is right next to a pond. It's gorgeous. It's a tall monument, and at the base of it is ivy. It's growing ivy around it. it. Says Ernie Banks, loving husband, father, and friend to all. 1931 to 2015. Has it really been seven years? And at the so there's a picture of him at bat." Uh, an engraving of him on the marble and on top there's a marble glove and ball and someone's put a real baseball next to it that is a beautiful marker uh, before he was traded Noah Syndergaard of the angels was wondering why he hadn't been traded yet and he posted that famous gif of <laughs> John Travolta from Pulp Fiction where he's walked into a room and he's just looking around confused that's pretty funny what else we got here let, let, no we already discussed that uh, no, no, that's not it. From Zach Berman says, from April 2016 to June 2017, uh, the Philadelphia teams had five athletes drafted number one and number two in their drafts. Carson Wentz with went number two, Matt, Mickey Moniak number one, Ben Simmons number one, Markel Fultz number one, and Nolan Patrick number two. All five are now out of Philadelphia. That's a heck of a stat. Uh, Ken Rosenthal reporting the Cubs did not trade Contreras and Hap. Batflips and Nerds tweeted, absolutely bizarre. Jed Hoyer, which is the Cubs GM, and Kyle Bloom of Boston, a massive pair of F grades today, just hopeless. Hmm. Uh, someone said, I hope Jesse Chavez has frequent flyer miles. Joe Colonna says, what a horrible deal for the Angels because <laughs> they lost Russell Iglesias to the Braves. And let's see, and show you how people will fickle. The next guy said, Well, Tucker Davidson's a pretty nice grab for the Angels, and he is. Uh, James Goatman said, You're telling me we couldn't best that price to get Ray Sale? This is a damn joke. (laughs) You can't please everybody. What else we got? That's not it. No. Uh, okay, so when the Braves got Rasiel Iglesias from the Angels for Chavez and Davidson, Tipping Pitches tweeted, nothing to see here. Just one GM who used to work for the other GM, trading his best reliever for two guys who are unpitchable in high leverage. Wow. First of all, the Angels have no high leverage. You suck. And you will suck for quite a while. Um, oh, and also Tipping Pitches had a good, good joke about Whit Merrifield going to the Blue Jays. They named him PTBNL, a player to be needled later. Get it? Needled later? Mm. Uh, bu- 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 to go. Uh, David O'Brien says Iglesias is making 16 million eats in the next three seasons. His ERA nearly a run higher than his career ERA this season at 4.04, but he has an impressive 1065 whip, better than his career average. And that's pretty good. He has 48 strikeouts and nine walks in 35 and two-thirds innings. So that's pretty good. 50 saves since the beginning of last season. 50. Hmm. Uh, Dane Young reports, this is the ninth time Jesse Chavez has been traded. Not 10, I said. Maybe it has been 10. Uh, since 2006. Here are some of the players included in deals for Jesse Chavez, America's guest. Kip Wells, Rafael Soriano, Liam Hendricks, at Australian asshole rick and keel that's how long he's been around rick and keel was traded for him kyle farnsworth out of milton high and sean newcomb that's right that's amazing so the best on base percentage through age 23 season in the modern era since 1900 that's what they consider the modern era according to espn here Uh, the best ever from 1939 to 42 ted williams was 481 on base percentage Right after that, Juan Soto at 427. Then you have Archie Vaughn at 422 in the 1930s. In the 20s and 30s, you got Jimmy Fox at 421. In the 20s and 30s, you had Mel Ott at 421. That's pretty hefty company right there. Uh, Josh Carey, uh, who I used to work with, great guy. uh, The son of uh, Skip Carey and brother of Chip, grandson of Harry. Uh, He does minor league Baseball games now and other stuff it does a lot of calling. In fact, uh, recently I told someone he should. Uh, I told someone that they should call him about an open uh, college football situation. I don't know if he'll take it, but anyway, uh, said three days after Skip Carey passed away, his father, him and his mother got a handwritten note in cursive from Vin Scully. It's very nice. It says Vin was an iconic broadcaster and a better man. And not just a man, but a gentleman. Handwritten letter, old school, perfect penmanship, all class. Cheers to a true goat. Thank you, Vin. Very nicely uh, said there by uh, Josh Carey. Uh, Mark Bowman has the uh, Braves rotation set for the Mets series. Thursday, we got Kyle Wright. Friday, Ian Anderson. Saturday, doubleheader, Max Fried and Jake Odorizzi. Don't know who's going to start. And Sunday, Spencer Strider. So hopefully Spencer will be going for at least the third win of the series. But we'll see. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Mark Bowman, tongue-in-cheek, reported that Austin Riley's double uh, gives him one extra base hit through five at-bats in August. He's off the pace he set in July when he tallied an extra base hit once every four (laughs) Uh, at-bats. Here's what uh, MLB Network posted about the uh, National League Player of the Month, Austin Riley. Uh, statistics since 2021 All-Star breaks, a little over a season, okay? Austin Riley leads the National League in home runs with 48. He leads the National League in RBIs with 133, and he's fourth in OPS at 967. That's how good he is right now. Uh, SEC Network put out Nick Saban's definition of a rebuilding year. Uh, Nick Saban told Cole Kubelik of ESPN, last year was a rebuilding year, Okay. Alabama won 13 games, won their division, won their conference, and the quarterback won the Heisman. And it was a rebuilding year. That's how they think in Alabama, and that's why they are the way they are. Let's take a sip here. Oh, yeah. All right, then we get into this date in baseball history, 1906, August 3rd. Senators right-hander Tom Hughes, the king, became the first pitcher to post a 1-0 victory in an extra inning game with his own home run. Helped the Browns? No, no. He helped the Senators beat the Browns at Sportsman's Park, St. Louis. Uh, umpire Tim Hurst instigates a riot in 1909 by spitting in the face of the second baseman of Philadelphia, Eddie Collins, Hall of Famer, who had questioned his call. Two weeks later, baseball banned Hurst for life. Can you imagine? If a, now, we had that infamous Roberto Alomar spitting in the face of that umpire at one point. That was horrific. That was so horrible. Uh, but imagine an umpire spitting on a player. Let's see, 1921, Commissioner Kennesaw Landis hands out life bans to the eight White Sox players acclu- accused in the Black Sox scandal despite their being acquitted by a Chicago jury. 1923, baseball games, now, nowadays they, they sue and win again, but whatever. Baseball games canceled during the death of U.S. President Warren G. Harding on this date in 1923. 1940, during the Reds road trip to Boston, Backup catcher Willard Hirschberger is found dead in his room after taking his own life at the Copley Plaza Hotel. Now, I've stayed at the Copley. It's nice, at least the modern version of it. Having talked with this fragile player for hours after the game, Cincinnati skipper Bill McKechnie thought he had consoled the worn-out backstop who was distraught about leaving runners on base in every at-bat an 0-5 performance at the plate, and he went to his hotel room and killed himself. 1948, Negro League legend Satchel Paige made his Major League start. Hurled seven innings, led the Indians over the Senators 5-3. to three. Huh, He had been a reliever for the Tribe before that. August 3, 1957, Pirates manager Bobby Bragan uh, hears he's been fired on the radio and replaced by Philadelphia third-base coach Danny Murtaugh. Pittsburgh GM Joe L. Brown leaked news of the hiring before informing his skipper. This seemed to happen a lot back then. Uh, 1960, for the only time in history, teams exchange managers. Detroit traded Jimmy Dykes, who was 44 and 52, for Cleveland's Joe Gordon, who was 49 and 46. Uh, let's see. Let's see. That's 1960s. Uh, probably turned out better in the long run for Detroit, even though I don't know who. When they won it in 68 over St. Louis, I don't know who. Let me ask. Alexa, who was the Detroit Tigers manager in 1968? According to an Alexa Answers contributor, the coaching manager of the Detroit Tigers in 1968 was Mayo Smith. Did that answer your question? It did. I had forgotten Mayo Smith. I knew that somewhere in the recesses of my mind, but I would forgotten. 1967, Charlie Finley fired his manager Alvin Dark after the two disagreed over the owner's handling player discipline. (laughs) Charlie O. had fined and suspended Luke Krause Jr., for the pitcher's rowdy behavior on a team flight, which prompted the team's first baseman, Ken Harrelson, who will also be released, to call the A's owner a menace to the sport. <laughs> also in 1967, the Braves set a club mark by hitting seven homers in a 10-3 to win over the Cubs. Tito Francona, Joe Torre hit two, Cleet Boyer had two, Dennis Minky, and you said Minky, that's correct, Chimpanzee Minky, and Hank Aaron all contributing to the record. They did it in the first five innings at Wrigley Field. All were solo shot, except Boyer's two-run blast in the third inning. August 3rd, the same day, 1967, uh, Warren Giles, the NL president, in a joint meeting held in Chicago, turned into a, uh, it was supposed to be a formality, it turned into a free-for-all, four-hour fierce debate when the AL and NL owners strongly disagree on implementing divisional play for the next season. The AL owners unanimously agreed to the plan, but the nationally Senior Circuit brass makes it clear they oppose any effort by the AL to implement the change by itself, citing the possibility an AL division winner could be a fourth-place club and could play a first-place team in the World Series. Hmm. In fact, Warren Giles says the pennant should be decided in the traditional manner. Well, it didn't happen in 68, but it happened in 69. Of course, they added the Expos and the Padres, and uh, they put divisions out there. 1978, in a 5-4 win over the uh, Dodgers at Candlestick, Giants first baseman Willie McCovey hit his 504th homer off Don Sutton, establishing him as the NL all-time left-handed home run leader, passing Eddie Matthews of the Milwaukee and Atlanta Braves and Houston Astros. Uh, 1979, and the Tigers, he played for the Tigers. 19, excuse me, 79... At Yankee Stadium, over 51,000 mourners attended memorial service for Thurman Munson. He had died the day before the Yankees' captain piloting a plane. It crashed 1,000 feet short of the runway at Akron Canton Airport in Ohio, where he lived, and he was learning to fly so he could go home and visit his kids and his wife. 1979, August 3rd, the Yankees purchased Lindy Randall from Pittsburgh to fill the roster spot of Munson. Hmm. 1980, Al Kaline, Duke Snyder, Chuck Klein, and Tom Yawkey were inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. 1982, at the request of the players, the Angels retired their first number in franchise history. Gene Autry, number 26, commemorate the team's first owner as the 26th man on the club's roster. The singing cowboy, known in Hollywood westerns, got the expansion club in 1960 and owned it for 38 years until he died in 1998. Of course, if his name comes up in front of Kimmer, he talks about working for him in Phoenix. 1986, first ballot inductee, Giants, first baseman McCovey. The only choice of the writers enshrined in the Hall of Fame, along with uh, the Veterans Committee, Red Sox second baseman Bobby Doerr, and the late Ernie Lombardi, a catcher known for playing for the Reds and the Giants. Pirates announcer Bob Prince, Cincy beat writer Earl Lawson get the Ford C. Frick Award. And the J.G. Taylor Spink Award for writing and talking. Not necessarily in that order. August 3rd, 1987, home plate umpire Tim Toshida throws out Joe Necro after discovering an emery board on the twin starting pitcher. The 42-year-old knuckleballer got an automatic 10-day suspension, and it was funny he went out there to talk to him, and he acted like all innocent, and he pulled out his pockets, <laughs> and the emery board went flying. It's a great video. The same day in '87, after being thrown out in the bottom of the 12th, arguing a close call at first, the Columbia Mets manager, Butch Hobson, former Red Sox, yanked the base out of the ground and brings it into the clubhouse in protest. The bounce skipper is convinced to finally return the stolen property to the field because they only have one set of bases. So bring it back. Come on, Butch, bring the base back. But not before he finds some orange paint and sprays the bag orange in order for the umpire to see it better. <laughs> 2000 after looking at the artist renderings of the new proposed enlarged Fenway Park that included a monstrous 3000 car garage Diane White suggests the Red Sox New England's team relocate to Hartford Connecticut The Boston Globe columnist believes the gigantic ballpark complex will dominate the quaint neighborhood railing against the railing against a bunch of rich and powerful guys who will ask for taxpayer assistance to fund their multimillion dollar playground Well, they ended up enlarging it and everything, but they didn't do that ridiculous thing, and now it looks wonderful from what I hear. I haven't been back since they renovated it. I love the old, dirty, beaten-down Fenway. God, it was beautiful. 2000, the Independent Western Baseball League kicked out Kevin Mitchell, the Sonoma County Crushers, for the rest of the season because he punched the owner of the other team. The former National League MVP allegedly hit Solano Steelheads owner Bruce Porter who had, Portner, who had come onto the field after a brawl caused by a pitch thrown behind Mitchell. So if you're the owner and you come on the field, you get punched. That's the way it works. August 3rd, 2011, the Jamestown New York Jammers, the Jamestown Jammers wear special game jerseys during their New York Penn League game against Tri-City to commemorate Lucille Ball's 100th birthday. Huh. Uh, she was born in Jamestown. The uniforms featured Lucy and Desi on the front and the event logo on the back will be autographed by the players in auction to benefit the Lucy Desi Center. By the way, that uh, Amazon movie with uh, Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem is excellent. Just excellent about Lucy and Desi. 2015, Mike Hesman broke the minor league home run record, his 433rd round tripper of a 19-year career, a grand slam against the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, in the Toledo Mud Hens extra inning International League Triple A, lost to Toledo's fifth third field at the field. The 37-year-old Hesman, the first baseman, played parts of five seasons with the Braves, Tigers, and Mets. Surpassed Buzz Arlett, who established the mark in 1936 while playing for the Minneapolis Millers. You had to be a pretty good ball player to be around for 19 years and play for that many major league teams and hit 433 home runs. Probably part of the inspiration of Crash Davis, I guess, a little bit there. Thanks to Saturday Down South, ESPN, On This Day, National Pastime, MLB.com, and everybody else for helping me out with this lovely podcast. Let me look up anything here on Twitter for you. See if anything major is happening. And the, No, I don't want that. Let's do this. Why well, do you always hit the wrong button when you're about to do stuff like this? Hmm... <laughs> Uh, different faces, up, uh, huh? Yeah, ways to on me. Um, I'm not seeing much jumping out here. Um, no, no, nothing happening. Um, Barry Yankees move, blah blah blah. No, let's go to ESPN, see if there's a headline we missed. It's about 6 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Let's see what's happening now. It's clouding up outside like it's going to rain. Let's see. Uh, Uh, Phil Mickelson and uh, 10 other golfers, including Bryson DeChambeau, who have been suspended by the PGA Tour for joining the Live Tour have filed an antitrust lawsuit against the PGA Tour. Boy, it's just getting uglier and uglier, isn't it? Mm. Going under a tank, da, 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 da. oh my God! They're going to make UFC star Conor McGregor is going into filming. He's going to be in a film. He's going to be in a remake of Roadhouse. He's, no, he's not going to be in the Patrick Swayze role. He's probably going to be the villain. Jake Gyllenhaal is going to star in the Patrick Swayze thing. And everybody on the Internet yesterday was saying, why? <laughs> There's some people that just, I mean, it's a cult roadhouse. I thought it was enjoyable, but I just, I don't think it's the cult classic. It should be, but everybody, everybody else loves it, so you know, I'm not going to complain. Let's see what the Braves – are. Um, we know what the Braves – the Braves lost today. Let's see what the dang Mets are doing. Oh, that's ugly. The lead is back to three and a half. The Mets are winning 8 nothing now in the sixth inning. So, it's – you know, that's what, the way it happens, the way it goes. Anyway, everybody have a good uh, couple of days. By the way, if you're not doing anything Friday morning in the Marietta area, go – I think it's on Cobb Parkway – the Marietta Diner, known for its famous desserts and breakfast and everything. The uh, morning show, the morning extra, TMX on Extra 106.3 – is going to have the camera there, and he's going to do his bit with them from 6 to 9. He's going to be there, I think, sometime 7.30 to 8.30, something like that. I forget where it is. Uh, but anyway, the Marietta Diner, he'll be there. I'm going to be there, and if you greet me in the parking lot and you like one of my books, I will give you one of my books, The Totally Biased Guide to Southern College Football or Canines of College Football, which is good for the kids. And Kimmer's bringing his uh, Crayola crayon uh, masterpieces. So if you want one of those. We won't be handing them out inside because it's not our event. We're just there as, you know, remoras on the belly of the sharks. (laughs) On the shark. Got sharks on my mind this week. And last. But, uh, yeah, check it out. If you're not there, uh, I'm going to be there probably between 7 and 9 and a few minutes afterwards because we do not want to fight rush hour traffic. Down 75 from Marietta. So, who knows? We're going to get there around 7. And uh, Kimmer's going to be on the air with them. I'm just there as, you know, I'm there as uh, eye candy. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why they won't be there. I, 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 I'm, I'm pleased to go, and I'm glad they invited me. So, by golly, I'm America's guest sometimes, the Kalo Caton of podcasting. I will be there if you invite me, and there is food. And everyone says they have cakes, and you know me. I am a cake fiend. So, 8 a.m., 7 to 9 at least, there at the Marietta Diner, 8 a.m., Friday morning. Be there. And wear your Kemmer t-shirts and everything. Show them that uh, Kemmer still has some sway in this town. Anyway, but it's a great show. Uh, Tug and Los and Rhino, all great guys, and they do a really good job on the morning show there. So check them out, the morning extra, and it's 106.3. And they're on uh, Monday through Friday mornings, I believe. And, of course, the Best of the Kemmer Show podcast, From Noon to One, uh, can be heard on the uh, Podcast Park, which is uh, part of Dickie Broadcasting, and just part of Extra and uh, 6 The Fan and everything like that. But the Podcast uh, Park is a place to go for some great podcasts, including the Kemmer Show podcast, so check that out. Also, you can go to the, the net for all your Kemmer Show needs, including holy crap, it's sports stuff. So go on there as well. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, be, uh, be back Friday, the good Lord willing and drank up shriners.